Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host, Paul Gannon. For the next two hours, we will be talking sports and having fun doing it. I want all your ideas, all your opinions, and all your beliefs. And, of course, as always, you will get a heavy dose of my opinion. If you have an opinion, the number number to call, 646-727-3070. That's 646-727-3070. You can listen to the show at blogtalkradio.com. Slash PKN, that's blogtalkradio.com, slash PKN. You can send messages to the show on Twitter at GoForItGain. Also, we have a chat room here with the show. You can log on to the chat room. If you have questions, comments, leave them there. We'll talk about it on air. If you have a question on a topic you want to talk about on air, we'll talk about that as well in our chat room. So you can hit up our chat room again at blogtalkradio.com, slash PKN. And also, again, Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Go For It Gannon. Great show lined up for you today. Expected to be joined by New England Patriots defensive tackle Ron Brayson. Ron and his Patriots are coming off a dominating big time performance against the New York Jets. Blew the Jets out 49 19 on Thanksgiving. The Patriots are now 8 3, and they're battling for that top spot in the AFC, fighting with the Texans, fighting with the Ravens to get that top spot. But the Patriots right now are 8 3. Big-time performance out of their defense, opportunistic Patriot defense. It has been over the past few weeks, and they were opportunistic this past Thursday against the Jets. But And we're going to talk to Ron about that Patriots defense right now. It's playing big-time football right now, playing better football, and it's really, really getting things done for that Patriot team. Also, we're going to bring in Niles Paul, tight end for the Washington Redskins and Niles Got his first career touchdown on Thursday on Thanksgiving Day against the Dallas Cowboys. The Redskins, two in a row, beat the Eagles, beat the uh, Cowboys, both NFC East games. And this team is now 5-6, and six, a game and a half behind the New York Giants. And this is a Giants team that has been struggling of late. And they have the Green Bay Packers Sunday night football. So I look at that game and I'm saying to myself, you know what, that's a game the Giants could lose. And the Redskins... When it's all said and done, they do play the Giants again. And so a lot of ways, the Redskins have a good shot at winning the NFC East. They really do. RG3, eight touchdowns in the last two games. He's balling, getting it done. The Redskins are balling and getting it done. And they're right there, right there. And they have a shot, as far as I'm concerned, to win the NFC East. And it was not long ago where you had Mike Shanahan talking about next year. Well, next year is now for the Washington Redskins, and they have a shot. They have a shot. Also, expected to be joined by WBC lightweight champion Adrian Broner, and Adrian's coming off a big-time victory against Antonio DeMarco. He is the can man. He is the problem. And we're going to talk to him about what's next for him. I mean, he's he's about superstardom right now. He's on the cusp of, of being something special right now, and he's balling, and he's boxing, and he's – beating people up left and right, including DeMarco. That was supposed to be his biggest test to date. That was supposed to be a step-up fight for him, and he stepped up and he stepped up 
mightily, and he got the victory, and we're going to talk to Adrian about that. I want to start now with college football, and I want to start with the big showdown today in California, USC, Notre Dame, for it all. For it all. I mean, Notre Dame wins this game. I heard this game basically being said as a uh, this is a type of game that's, you know, this is almost a national semifinal for Notre Dame. Notre Dame wins this game, and they're in. They're probably going to be in a BCS title game with a win here. And this, I mean, this is a big-time game for them. This is a big-time game for them, a big-time game for them, and they're going up against USC, their rival, their arch nemesis over the years. USC and Notre Dame is nothing like it. And now, with the stakes being so high, with the stakes being so high between these two teams, for Notre Dame right now, that makes this game even bigger. It makes the game even bigger. And it's going to be a big one. It's going to be a big one. Can Notre Dame keep it going? They had some close calls throughout the course of this season. Stanford, Pitt, to name a few. Some of their close close calls, and right now, you know, Matt Barkley's not going to be playing this game. He's got Max Wittet, who's going to be out there playing, and and he had some interesting comments this week. He believes that his team is going to go out and and get it done. He believes they're going to get it done, and we'll see. I mean, do I? You know, you look at Notre Dame, and and yes, they've been playing some good football throughout the course of this season, and and yes, they're undefeated, but. Do you consider Notre Dame the best team in college football? Do you really consider Notre Dame to be the best team in college football? I don't know. I don't know about that. I mean, you look at that SEC with with Alabama and LSU and Arkansas and all those teams out there. I mean, it's rough in that SEC. It's no joke in that SEC. Notre Dame has not played in the SEC. They have they have not played in the SEC and the SEC again. That's some big time football. That's some big time college football. There, there's nothing like it. Those teams beat each other up. Those teams beat each other up. If you go through the SEC and and and, and to me the way Alabama's been playing in the SEC, I'm impressed. And you know you only lost one game. Even LSU, all the teams. I mean, there's a lot of big time teams in the SEC, a lot of big-time teams, a lot of big-time teams there. And those teams beat each other up. They beat each other up, beat each other up. It's a lot of competitive football there. But right now, Notre Dame's in a position right now where, you know, they win, and basically they're in. I mean, you got Alabama, Arkansas, Florida, Georgia, LSU. I mean, these are some big time programs, Texas A&M. I mean, these are some big-time programs here in the SEC. Big-time programs. Big-time programs. But at the end of the day, Notre Dame is in a good position. No matter who they play, what they play, it doesn't matter. They're in a good position right now. And they have an opportunity, win today, Win today, and then it's going to be a tough football game. This is the season pretty much for USC. You know, they're not going to let Notre Dame just come in there and beat up on them. That's just not going to happen. That's just not going to happen. This is going to be a competitive football game. 
this is going to be a very, very competitive football game. Can the, can the, can the young quarterback get it done for USC? Can he get it done against Notre Dame? I mean, this is a big game. If he does it, he's going to be celebrated. He is definitely going to be celebrated. This is against the number one team in the land, Notre Dame. This is against your arch rival, your arch nemesis, Notre Dame. This is it. This is it. This is it. This is it. And I'm not saying Notre Dame had an easy schedule. I mean, they beat they beat Oklahoma. They did beat Stanford. I mean, you know, they beat Michigan State. They beat some decent teams throughout the course of this year. Decent teams throughout the course of this year. They've beaten some decent teams. And I mentioned North Michigan State. That's probably not a decent team, but at the time they were ranked. Michigan as well, at the time, Michigan was a ranked team. They were ranked at the time. But overall, you, you look at Notre Dame, you, you say their two signature wins are probably against Stanford and probably against, obviously, against Oklahoma. Those are the two signature wins for Notre Dame. That's their two signature wins. But this is going to be a big one. This is going to be a big one, a big one. This is going to be a big one. This is, and Max Wittick, the, fresh, the freshman quarterback, can he get it done? Can he get it done in this big game? Can he? He's a freshman. Can he get it done? If he does, they'll love him forever. This is Notre Dame they're beating. This is the Notre Dame team that they're beating. Will they beat Notre Dame? We shall see. We shall see. I like USC today. I like the emotion. I like them being at home. And this is big for Notre Dame. Now, they're one game away. I think the pressure gets to them. I think the pressure gets to Notre Dame on this stage. I like the young quarterback on this stage to get it done, to step up, to step up for USC. And I think the Trojans get it done here in Notre Dame. It's perfect season. Comes to an end. I like the Trojans today. It's going to be a big game. A lot of people are going to be watching. I will be watching. And make sure you stay listening because when we come back, we're going to bring in New England Patriots defensive end Ron Brayson. We're going to talk to Ron about his Patriots right now. The Patriots, 8-3, and three, and are in a good spot right now. We're going to talk to Ron Brayson when we get back. You're listening to Go For It on Block. Almeida, a.k.a. Corey Live, host of Picturica on the Hub and warm-up host for American Idol and Dancing with the Stars. And right now, you are listening to Go For It on Blog Talk Radio with my man Paulie G and Jeremy. Get it! And we're back. And we're going to bring in now very shortly 
defensive lineman for the New England Patriots, Ron Brace. The New England Patriots, again, two impressive performances over the past two weeks, getting big-time turnovers on the defensive side of football. They're turning teams over, and they're scoring points on the defensive side of football. So not only do you have what you get from Tom Brady and Tom Brady doing his thing for the New England Patriots on the offensive side of football, but it looks like that defense is starting to come around and, and starting to play better football, and that doesn't really bode well for a lot of teams in the National Football League. Let's bring him in now, defensive lineman for the New England Patriots, the one, the only, Ron Brace. Ron, how are you, sir? I'm doing good, and yourself? Doing well. Thanks for joining us. No problem. Thanks for having me. And, Ron, let's get right down to it, man. Thursday night, Thanksgiving night, you guys go against the New York Jets. You beat them up. Your defense forced four turnovers, one which was returned for a touchdown. Talk about the performance of the Patriots' defense Thursday night. Uh, basically, you know, it just came down to playing 60 minutes of football. You know, and that's one. That's something that we're trying to harp on now is playing full 60 minutes of football because, you know, you can't lead in the first half and then come out the second half and stink it up. So right. we're just trying to stay mentally focused because, you know, it was a hard week. You know, it was uh, a shorter week being that week. You just came from a Sunday game and then having to play again on Thursday and it being a holiday, you know, and a lot of people, a lot of people's families are together. So it was basically a, a good week of mental toughness and definitely just showed that um, we went out there with our mindset on just playing 60 minutes and getting back home to our families. And how difficult is You talked about, you mentioned the short week. How difficult is that short week for your body? Oh, it's very difficult, you know, because, you know, usually you go, you're used to playing on every Sunday and then getting that full six days, you know, to go through your normal routine to have your body right, but then to just have your routine just shortened right up and knowing that you're going to have to get right back in it with a shorter turnaround is just basically, you know, just getting down to doing what you have to do. Um, in the film room, you know, you're going to have to put more hours in because you're not going to have as much free time as you did before. Um, you're going to have to get that and maybe extra treatment, you know, maybe get in the ice tub uh, and uh, heat a few more times than you would normally do throughout the week just to get your body ready to be able to perform at the top level. And you look at you guys now, especially on the defensive side of football, past two games you guys four seven turnovers. You scored three touchdowns on the defensive side of football. Do you feel like this defense is starting to put it together now? I feel like, you know, we're just starting to play 60 minutes of football. That's like that's something that we're really trying to hop on each other, playing full games because, you know, we can't, just like I said before earlier, you know, we can't come out there playing good, setting the tone, and then get lackadaisical and just start letting stuff um, just get biased. And then that's how teams end up getting the edge on you. And um, that's where mental focus also comes in. And that's what I think that we're all just trying to do and stay focused on that and preparing for each opponent that we get right now. So these Dolphins are the next people that we're trying to get ready and seeing as how we just finished with the Bills and now um, finishing with the Jets. Next people in our vision we got to worry about right now is the Dolphins because we played two other teams twice. We still haven't played them two times yet. And let's talk about the Jets. This is a team, Rex Ryan, a team that, that likes to talk a lot. You know, it's a big-time rivalry game between you two. I know every game in the NFL, We always you always want to win every game in the NFL. But does beating the Jets, is that a little something extra special for you? I can't lie and say that it doesn't have a little extra special feeling there, you know, definitely because, you know, the rivalry and then also because they are in our division. And this was the second time that we played them, and we came out with a victory again. 
And um, it just made it a lot easier. You know, that's another team we could check off and then just move on to the next one. So right now, we're getting ready to rest up our bodies and then watch these Dolphins play tomorrow because we got to get ready for them coming next Sunday. So, so it's on to the next one for the Patriots. And right now, your Patriots, Ron, since 2010, you guys are 19-0 and in the second half of seasons. What is it with you guys in the second half of the season? Is that the point where you guys just turn it on? What happens? Um, I really can't say about that. You know, just going about business as usual. You know, everybody's staying focused to the tasks that they have to do each week by week and preparing for each opponent, you know, not taking anybody lightly because we know people won't take us lightly. So it's basically just getting down to business, basically. I said business as usual. And it has been business as usual for you guys. It's business as usual for Bill Belichick. He got his 200 victory Thursday night. You've been with this guy your whole career. What makes this guy such a great coach? Um, basically, that day makes sure everybody's focused and um and everybody's doing what they have to do, and then just reminding us that we have to stay on top of what we have to do, you know, because we are professionals, and he's not gonna have his like keep an eye on us because there's so many of us. So we, he reminds us that, you know, we do have things that we have to do and we are held accountable. So basically just holding people accountable and telling everybody they got to do what they have to do. And obviously it's working pretty well. It has been working very, very well for you guys. And oh, we're yeah. talking to defensive lineman for the New England Patriots, Ron Brace. And right now, Ron, you guys are 8-3, and three, a game behind the Texans for the best record in the AFC you guys had the best record in the AFC last year. How important is it to secure that number one seed in the AFC? I mean, it's always important, you know, and it's also um, – and it helps you out. But, you know, we can't really focus on clinching that seed first because we're also just trying to take it one game at a time because that's definitely what we have to do because the Dolphins could – we never know what happens to any of the other teams that we play, who they may beat or who may beat them. So we basically just have to focus on – we have to take it one opponent at a time and then just see where the chips are as they fall. Definitely. And I said to the Texans, the Texans are actually two games up on the New England Patriots for the best record in the AFC as they're 10-1. and one. And looking at you now, Ron, you're a guy from Massachusetts – you played in, at Boston College for four years. You've been with the Patriots, obviously, for four years. Talk about the dream of playing for your hometown Patriot team. Um, you know, it's something that, you know, words really can't describe, you know, because there are plenty uh, I, I see every day. And then just talking to old teammates of mine, let it be college or let it be high school, just like how much they would love to play where I'm at, the team I'm at, and it just makes me realize how much of it, how much to be grateful for this opportunity that I got and, you know, to not take anything that I really get at this point for granted. And then um, just basically in what I do and every time I try to go out, because right now, like, I'm in Springfield right now where I'm back at home, and I'm just basically right. seeing everybody that I haven't seen really too much because they know I've been gone. And I know it's not too far away, but still I've been going out focused and doing what I have to do. So it's just like me coming back and reminding people, it just humbles me and then just let me know. And I like to remind people that this is something that they can also do because, shoot, I'm just a kid from around the block. Right. And we look at you, man, and so far throughout the course of this year, you have been limited a little bit by your elbow and your back. But how has your year been to at this point in the in the season, how are you happy with your play at this point in the season? 
No, I'm happy that I'm getting an opportunity, you know, because there's a lot of guys who very well could get the same opportunity, but I'm the one that's getting this opportunity right now, and I'm taking it, taking advantage of every chance that I get, and I'm thankful for it. Right. And that's all you can be, and especially around this time, this Thanksgiving holiday. What is Ron Brace okay. most thankful for? Uh, right now, my family, hands down. Thankful okay. for my family, hands down. Uh, nothing wrong with that. That's a good thing. And you look at you guys, look at yourself. I mean, you played Thursday night. And so, how did you handle Thanksgiving in terms of the eating? Did you wait till after the game to to really get down? Oh, definitely. You know, you can't go out there on the field with a stomach full of turkey, man. You can't <laughs> walk around kind of tired. But, uh, you know, I had to put that plate on the back burner. You know, I'm just now hitting those leftovers today, actually. Okay. So, okay. Sure. I'm hitting all those houses I missed. So you didn't you didn't sneak a little bit before the game. I mean, you had an eight thirty contest. You had the whole day to kind of mess around a little bit with something. I, I, I had a little bit of turkey. I had a little bit of turkey, not too much though. Okay. Okay. I don't really get down with. So 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 how, I mean, you're a man with a lot of size. How do you get down on Thanksgiving normally? What's the typical uh, menu for Ron Brace on Thanksgiving? What's on the plate? Definitely. What's on the plate? Uh, on the on the plate, we got a little mac and cheese, got a little okay. turkey, got the dressing, got the added uh-huh. collard greens, or uh-huh. the, and the candied yams, okay. some type of roll, let it be a biscuit or, you know, one you find in the package. And, you know, watch that down. You know, with all that, them calories, you know, I'm not even going to lie, Sam, so use a diet soda, I'm going to give me a big cup of juice. Yeah, Definitely. So you keep it. I mean, that, that that's just keeping it real. I mean, some guys will say, you know what, they wash it down with a diet soda. To me, that's just silly. Nah. That's silly. Nah, nah, don't, 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 don't do your taste buds like that, man. Real <laughs> stuff, man. It's nothing like the real thing. Nothing like it. You got it. You got it. <laughs> uh, uh, no chitlins on, no on the menu for you? Oh, uh, nah, nah, man. I can't do that. That's too funky for me. Okay. I can't do that. My grandmother, my grandmother used that. She cooks that and has the house funky. I can't do funky in a good way. Everything out. Funky in a good way. I can't do. I can't do not the chitlins though, man. You put a little hot sauce on it. Tastes like candy. Oh man. Oh man. What kind of candy you eat, man? <laughs> Special kind of pig type candy. <laughs> Give it a shot. Give it a shot. Oh man, I'm gonna see I'm gonna see. I know somebody's gonna try to throw some in my face now. Well man, I'm gonna have to be prepared, man. Uh, try Give it a shot. Sauce. Maybe next year. Maybe next year. I'm going to have to find that good hot sauce there, man. Definitely, definitely. You, you, there's some hot sauce. It'll be good. Trust me. Trust me. Okay, okay. So bra- brace it. yourself. Brace yourself. You'll be just fine. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and speaking of that, you are on Twitter. Where can fans connect with Ron Brace on Twitter? Hey, you can connect with me at, at braceyourself97. B R A C E Y O S E L F nine seven. No underscores, no nothing. All one word. Fans, make sure you connect with this man. 
Brace Yourself, 97. Ron Brace, it was a pleasure talking to you, man. We wish you nothing but the best of luck moving forward, and let's do this again. Uh, thank you, thank you. It was a pleasure talking to you, too. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, you too. Ron Brace, defensive lineman for the New England Patriots, and you know we 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 talk about the you know I talk about the Chitlins a, a lot on this show, and you know yes they have a a, a strange aroma, yes uh, they don't really smell ideal, but the reality is put some hot sauce on it. It's a good time. It's a good time. It's a good. Time I had some this Thanksgiving. You know, I don't eat all the time. You can't eat the pig all the time. You can eat the pig every so often. You can't eat the pig all the time. And, you know, so, you know, I, I had a little bit of pig. Um, the pig was good. pig was great. Tasted, I mean, pig intestines as it is. It was good. It was great. Tasted well. Enjoyed, I enjoyed it very much so. But if you haven't had it, you don't know what you're missing out on. Yes, it, it gives the house a, an interesting smell. There's no doubt about it. It does give the house an interesting smell. I can't deny that. I can't lie about that. But it tastes good. <laughs> and that's all that matters at the end of the day. Don't matter how it smells, as long as it tastes good. And chitlins, they do taste good. And hopefully Ron Brace will, will try it. Hopefully he'll have an open mind about some things and give it a shot. Tastes good. Tastes like candy. <laughs> but you, you're looking at his, patri- his Patriot team right now and this is a Patriots team that's with Tom Brady and obviously that offense and that defense. Yes, they've had some injury issues with Kronkowski and, and Hernandez and everything, but the Patriots as a whole is, is a team that you're going to have to watch out for. I mean, they're definitely going to be there. Right now they're fighting to get that number one seed. They're two games behind the Texans, but they do have a game against the Texans uh, in two weeks. So uh, that's an opportunity for them to gain some ground there. And so you hope if you're a Patriots fan, if you're a Patri- if you're the Patriots, you can get a victory there against the Texans, and hope the Texans can stumble uh, another time, and you can kind of run the table. And hopefully, if you're the Patriots, you can have it go through Foxborough like it did last year. But the Patriots are they're a tough team. They're a big time football team, and they're getting it done. They're getting it done throughout the course of this season, playing some big time football, and and, and they're they're there. They're there, and they're going to be a team that you're going to have to watch in these playoffs. I'm not saying it's going to come down to them, obviously the Texans, and, and the Ravens, of course, as well. But the Patriots have to be one of the favorites. They, they definitely have to be one of the favorites. Let's talk about Thanksgiving football. Three games, three, well, two good games. The third game, the nightcap was a blowout. wasn't very exciting. But the first two were very good, especially uh, let's start with uh, Detroit. And the Houston Texans, we go to that game and we look at a specific play. Justin Forsett, seemingly down, but he was the play was, was wasn't called down, and uh, he would run for 81 yards and score a touchdown. Obviously, it would have been a reversed, but 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 Jim Schwartz throws out the challenge flag on a play that's an automatic challenge. All scoring plays, all turnovers, automatically challenged. Jim Swartz decides to throw out the challenge flag. Probably a natural uh, action there, a natural move there. He threw it out, but it was a violation of the rules. You cannot do that. If you do it, the play not only does not get reviewed, but at the same time, it's a 15-yard penalty. So it was a double whammy. I mean, the play was obviously not a touchdown. It obviously 
was not a touchdown. It obviously was not a touchdown. And, and I look at that rule, and, and sometimes, you know, in the National Football League, there are so many rules that, you know, it's just not commonsensical. And, and this is a rule that is just doesn't have any common sense to it. I mean, yes, your ultimate, the ultimate reason you have, the big reason you have instant replays to get plays right. It's to get plays right. And in that particular situation, the right call on the field, the right call, no matter forgetting all the rules and whatever, the right call was Justin Forsett was down. I mean, that was a game-changing play in that particular ball game. Lions up 24-14 to 14 at the time and in complete control. That touchdown doesn't happen. You're thinking the Lions probably win that football game. The Lions probably win that football game if that play doesn't happen. I look at that, at that particular play and I, and I look at that particular game and the play that the, that particular play changed the whole game, changed the whole course of the game. And Jim Schwartz knows the rules, and rules are rules. Mike Smith had affected him as well a week before. But let's put some common sense to this whole thing. 15-yard penalty, I'm cool with. I'm fine with that. 15-yard penalty, whatever 15-yard penalty, fine. 15-yard penalty, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. But at the, the the not reviewing the play, the most the most important reason why you have instant replay are to review plays and determine and to determine whether or not the play was called right on the field. Obviously, the play was not called right on the field. Let let's be let's be real. Let's watch it. The play was not called right on the field. So the rule needs to be changed. Now the league is talking about possibly changing it, possibly changing it for the playoffs. It gets, it has to get changed. It has to get changed. Let's look at it. I mean, and granted that, you know, a lot of coaches now are going to learn from that. And it was an impulse, emotional decision for Jim Swartz. And in a lot of ways, it's a natural decision, a natural decision to challenge a play, automatically throw the flag out, because, you know, it was, it was obvious that he was down. It was obvious. It was obvious that he was down. And the play really changed the course of the game. The play really changed the course of of the game, and that we all look at it, man, and that rule needs to be changed. It's obvious the rule needs to be changed. Something needs to be done when you're looking at that particular rule. It has to change. I mean, a 15-yard penalty, you want to do that? Fine, I'm cool with that. I can live with that. But not reviewing the play at all, the ultimate reason why instant replay is there to review, to review plays, and you're not going to review the play? I mean, that doesn't make sense to me. Silly. But it is what it is. And ultimately... The Texans benefited, the Lions didn't, and ultimately the Texans would beat the Lions in overtime. I mean, that changed the course of the game. That really changed the course of that game. The Texans were in control of that game. The Texans were in complete control of that game. They really, I mean, not the Texans, the Lions, I should say, were in complete control of the game at that time, in complete control, in complete and utter control, utter control at the time. It happened in the third quarter, and, you know, the Lions were in control. And Justin Forrest said, I mean, that by quarter's end, the game was tied at 24. Lions were up 24 to 14 after a field goal by Jason Hansen. Jason Hansen kicks the field goal. Lions in complete control, 24 to 14. And then you have Justin Forrest, the 81-yard run 
touchdown run that should not have been called a touchdown, obviously. That was called a touchdown because Jim Swartz messed up the rule, threw the challenge flag, and because of that, the play was becomes not reviewable, and therefore, not only do you get a 15-yard penalty, but the play doesn't become reviewable, and therefore, the Texans at that point score a touchdown, and they're down, instead of being down 24-14, to 14, they're down 24-21 to 21 and right back in the football game. It's bad. It's bad. It's bad, and the rule has to be changed. And just in general, you know, there has to be some – we have to take common sense point of views, uh, and, and it just has to be common sense in terms of some of the things that we watch in the NFL. I mean, it has to be common sense. And common sense tells you that guess what? Guess what? From a common sense perspective, a common sense point of view – it does, why are you? Why is that particular foul throwing a challenge flag? Foul, challenge flag. Excuse me. Why is that such an egregious foul? It shouldn't be that egregious. Where it's kind of a double whammy. I mean, it's a double whammy. It was a double whammy in that particular situation. Fifteen yard penalty and a touchdown. So you got the touchdown already. Then you get to fifteen yards too, to boot. So it was a double whammy, and it's a bad rule. It's a bad. Rule, it needs to be changed, and it needs to be changed now. It needs to be changed now. Change the rule before it affects the game. And, and it affected this ball game. It changed the course of this game. It needs to be changed. Change the rule. Change the rule. Change the rule. And hopefully, hopefully, the rule will get changed. Let's hope. Let's hope, because before it costs, another team, another game. You don't want that to happen. You don't want that to happen where you're costing teams football games because of a stupid rule. And it's just that. It's stupid. It's dumb. Dumb and stupid. And speaking of dumb and stupid in terms of that game, how about Indomitian Sue at it again? Um, with the, it looked like it, looking at the play, it looked like he tried to kick Matt Schaub in an uncomfortable place below the belt, the family jewels. You get the point. It, it looked like in that play, Adamakin Sue was looking to kick him where it hurts. It looked it looked like in that particular game he tried to kick Matt Schaub in a place where it hurts. And you look at Adama Kitsu and, you know, he he, may, he makes some plays, but he really has not been making a lot of plays these past couple of years. He's been not the same player in, in some respect. And you're wondering, with all the things that comes comes with him and with the, some of the, his antics, you know, a year ago you had him in the Packer game where he stepped on the guy, and then this year where he's kicking the guy, Matt Schaub, and the family, Jules. I mean, it's just, it's just, you're looking at these things and you're saying, what's going on with this guy? What's up with this guy? He needs some kind of anger management. He needs something. What's up with this guy? What's up with this guy? I mean, he's just, he's he's always stepping over. He's always going over. He's always going over. It looked intentional to me. I mean, you could you could make an argument that maybe it wasn't, but it looked intentional. 
It didn't look like he needed to do that little extra leg thrust. That didn't seem necessary. That didn't seem like he needed to do that. He did it, but it didn't seem like he needed to. It really didn't. And it's going to obviously get reviewed by the NFL to, to make a determination whether or not they felt Adama can sue went over, over the board, overboard, I should say. And <clears throat> you look at it, I mean, last year, last Thanksgiving, like I said, against the Patrick, Pat, Packers, excuse me, where he stepped on an offensive lineman's arm. And then you have this year, and then you have some of the things with uh, Jay Cutler, the hit against Jay Cutler, Jake DeLome, Andy Dalton as well. I mean, just all, all these different things about this guy, and you're wondering overall, is he worth it? Is he really worth the headaches? Is I mean, he just doesn't seem to play disciplined football. And the Lions as a whole throughout these past couple of years have had an issue playing disciplined football. That's been an issue in Detroit these past two years. They've, they've had an issue playing disciplined football. They've been playing some undisciplined football. And because of that, I mean, it affects the team, obviously. You're, you're, you're costing your football team 15 yards. You're costing your team yardage. You're costing your team's games missed from suspensions and things of that nature. You're costing your team by being undisciplined not only on the field but off the field. You're costing your football team. And I know they recently talked to they uh, bench Titus Young for some things that weren't that were detrimental to the team. I mean, so you look at it and you're saying, what is what is what's what's going on with the Lions? What's what's up with the Lions? What is up with the Lions in this undisciplined brand of football? What's up with a Dominican Sue with undisciplined football? What is up? What is up? With these guys, what is up with these guys? And 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 just taking it a step further, always, always taking it a step further, always taking it a step further, always, always. And Adamagan Sue throughout the course of his, these past two years has always and has been taking it a step further. Has been taking it that extra step. And he might get suspended. He might get suspended. The league says they're going to look at past history in this particular situation. There's a good possibility he could be suspended. There's that possibility. The, The kick looked intentional to me. It looked intentional. I don't know about you. It looked intentional to me. It looked like it was an intent to kick him in the groin. That's what it looked like to me. It looked intentional. It looked intentional. This guy, he's he's got to get it right. He's got to get this thing right, his anger management issues, and just playing reckless football because that's what it is. It's reckless football, and you're costing your team – you're costing your team. You're costing your team by playing reckless football. You are. You're costing your team by playing reckless football. You look at Adamakin Sue over the years. I mean, he came on the scene as a rookie in 2010. He had 10 sacks 
He had a pick, and he just played big-time football. He was a dominating force. He was a dominating force for the Detroit Lions, a dominant force for that team in 2010. And then you look at 2011, the numbers go down. You look. Let's look at. Let's look at specifically. Let's look at all of 2010. 16 games played, 66 tackles, 49 solo, 10 sacks, one forced fumble, one interception for Dominican Sue. Now let's go to 2011. Played 14 games, missed two games, two of them for suspension, but 36 tackles, 30 tackles less than as his rookie season, and only four sacks, six sacks less than he did in 2010. And then you look at now, 2012, four and a half sacks for him. Only played 11 games at this point, still has much more to go. Looks like he's going to have a little better season than he had in 2011, but we don't know. He may get suspended, so he may miss some time. So, I mean, this guy, the production, is the production worth some of the things that he has done on and off the field. Is it, is it at this point, his undisciplined nature, his undisciplined style of football, his just, he seems to be undisciplined not only on but off the field? You've got to ask questions on whether or not is Adamican Sue truly worth it. And he's the, one of those guys you need to get out of your locker room to, in order to kind of get things right in that locker room. Because the Detroit locker room and the Detroit as a whole, you know, you, you had all the off the field issues in the beginning of the year, and then you had, you know, some. You got the thing with Titus Young now. I mean, the Detroit Lions, and then a year ago they led the league in personal fouls. I mean, it's just the Lions need to get professional. They need to get professional as a team. They need to get and become. Professional. They need to become professional. They need to become a professional team. Not only on the field, off the field. You've got to be a professional player. You're at the highest level. You're at the highest level. The National Football League, this is your job. You've got to be a professional about some things. You've got to be a professional about some things. You've got to be a professional about some things. And this Lions team, Titus Young, a part of it, they have not been professional. And they need to be professional. There's there's a lot of talent on this Lions team, and they're struggling this year. A lot of talent. But you could argue maybe the, the lack of professionalism starts up top. The lack of discipline starts up top, even with their coach. I mean, they're running with Jim Harbaugh. That wasn't discipline. You know, kind of his celebration, his antics at the end of games. I don't know how truly disciplined that is. And so all these things, you question the discipline of the Detroit Lions. You question the discipline of the coaching staff. You question the discipline of the players. You you had Sean Jefferson, one of the coaches, on the staff yelling at another coach. And granted, these things happen. You know, it's not all preaches and cream on the NFL sideline. It's not all hunky-dory on the NFL sideline. But the thing about it is this. This team just seems flat-out undisciplined. This is just an undisciplined football team. They're penalized a lot. 
They again they had the off the field issues with a lot of guys acting a fool, don't know how to act, don't know how to be a professional. This has been a typical Detroit Lions these past two years. And it's catching up to them. And you can argue that their coach lost his cool and wasn't disciplined and threw out the challenge flag when he knew the rule. And granted, it's a stupid rule and a rule that needs to be changed, but you know the rule. As a coach, you should know the rule. Did I know the rule? No, I didn't know the rule. I'm going to be honest with you. I did not know that rule. But he is the coach. He needs to know that rule. He needs to know that rule. That's his job, to know that rule. He needs to know that rule. That's his job, to know that rule. And so he cost his, team, he cost his football team a touchdown because he didn't know the rule. He cost his team a touchdown because he did not know the rule. His ignorance to the rule, well, he knew the rule. He knew the rule, but obviously it didn't matter. His emotions got the best of him. His emotions got the best of him, and he made a hasty decision in throwing the challenge flag, excuse me, and ultimately in doing so, he calls this team a touchdown. Dumb rule, yes. Dumb rule, it's absolutely a dumb rule. An absolute dumb rule. But the reality is, it is a rule. And as a coach, and as a coaching staff, you need to know the rule. He, didn't, he knew the rule, obviously, but he let his emotions get the best of him. That's undisciplined. And that's what the Lions have been these past couple years. Undisciplined. They've been an undisciplined football team over these past two years. They've played undisciplined football over the past two years. And that undisciplined football catches up to you. It catches up to you. And we'll see if Adamigan, too, gets suspended for his actions. I mean, again, it's the second time, the second time on Thanksgiving he's had an incident in terms of either stepping on somebody and and this this particular time you could you could you could argue that he didn't purposely kick Matt Job in the groin. I would argue against you. I, I saw the video. You saw the video, most of you. And and the, that little extra leg thrust looked like it had bad intentions. And those bad intentions were Matt Job's groin. Luckily, he wears a cup. <laughs> But, you know, and we'll see what happens with the Dominicans. So we'll see what happens with the Detroit Lions. Let's look around the NFL as well. And we're going to get to the Cowboy and the Redskin nightcap of Thanksgiving. But let's go to the San Francisco 49ers. And that's been a big story. What's, go, what's the situation with the quarterback situation? Yeah, You have Alex Smith. You have Colin Kaepernick. And it looks like, and, and Dante Whitner said it yesterday on Dan Patrick's show, that Colin Kaepernick is going to get the start. And Jim Harbaugh, he hasn't said anything, but Dante Whitner kind of told us all when he, when he said basically on a Dan Patrick radio show that, that Colin Kaepernick is going to be the starter for the San Francisco 49ers. And you know how, I, I mean, I, I made my thoughts clear about how I thought about this whole situation. As far as I'm concerned, as far as I'm concerned, and Alex Smith has been cleared, 
in terms of the concussion. He's cleared. He's ready to go. But as far as I'm concerned, the San Francisco 49ers, you look at Colin Kaepernick, he was dynamic. He was spectacular. He can do a lot more seemingly than Alex Smith. It looks like on the surface he can be, when it's all said and done, a better quarterback than Alex Smith. Also, you look at talent, it seems like he's the more talented quarterback. Obviously, he's the more mobile quarterback. And at this point in his career, I'm not saying, I don't think he's the better quarterback. Could he be the better quarterback at some point? Definitely. Definitely. And I'm not a big Alex Smith guy, and let me put that out there right now. I'm not a big Alex Smith guy, but here's what I'll say about Alex Smith. He doesn't make a lot of mistakes. He keeps you in ball games. He doesn't hurt you. More often than not, he keeps you in games. You look at the 49ers a year ago, Alex Smith, 17 touchdowns, but only five interceptions. That tells me, you know what, you're not killing, you're not hurting your football team. You're managing a game, and you're not hurting your football team. That's big. The Niners, with that defense and that run game, you don't want to do too much to hurt your team. And Alex Smith... Last year, a year ago, he didn't hurt the 49ers. Even this year, for the most part, he hasn't hurt the 49ers. Alex Smith has not hurt the 49ers. He has not hurt the 49ers, and that's big. And that's big with this defense and this run game. Now, again, Colin Kaepernick, we know in terms, he, he looked spectacular. He, he looked spectacular. There's no getting around that. He looked sharp. He looked great. He looked fluid. He looked good in the pocket. He moved around. He did all the things that you would want your quarterback to do in a game. He did it. And he played well. He played very well in that game against the Chicago Bears, a very good defense in the Chicago Bears. He played well. But as far as I'm concerned, and Jim Harbaugh said he wanted to stick with the hot hand, as far as I'm concerned, I look at this 49ers team, and I look at how close they are to winning a Super Bowl. They were two Kyle Williams fumbles away from being in the Super Bowl. They should have won that game against the New York Giants. But ifs and buts are just ifs and buts. We all have them. We all have ifs and buts. But it is what it is. You are what you are. It is what it is. But I look at, I look at this 49ers team and being that they are so close and being – that they are a team now who are this close to a Super Bowl. This close. They're that close. What happens with young quarterbacks? What do young quarterbacks do? We all know that young quarterbacks make mistakes. They make mistakes. It's just the nature of the position and just the nature of the beast. Young quarterbacks make mistakes. They do. And, yes, Colin Kaepernick was flawless against the Bears on Monday night. But guess what? He is young. This is only his second year, and this is only his second start in the National Football League. So guess what? He's an NFL quarterback, and he's going to make mistakes. He's a young NFL quarterback, and that's the key thing there, a young NFL quarterback. He's a young NFL quarterback. He's a young NFL quarterback. So with that being said, he's going to make mistakes. And what happens now? You're a 49er team. You're a 49er team. So close. This close. Very close to winning and getting to a Super Bowl. You are a championship contending team right now. 
That's what you are at this stage. You are a championship contending team. No one can take that away from you at this point in the season. You're looking at this Niners team, the teams that they beat, the defenses they have, that they have, the run game that they have. This is a championship contending team. This team has all the makings of a championship team. So now you're going to put in a young quarterback, a guy, you know, he's young, but he's dynamic. He's young, but he makes a lot of plays. He's young, but he seems like he has it all. But he is young. You can't. That's something that just doesn't change. Experience doesn't change. You can't change the experience part of it all. That part won't change. In terms of experience, he only has one game under his belt as a starter. He's only started one NFL football game. That's it. That's it. And you're hearing a lot of and former NFL players talking about it. Kaepernick, and, you're, and they're talking about the Bears' defense and how the Bears' defense is it's kind of a straight-up defense. You have the cover two that they play, and they don't do a lot of special things, a lot of different things. So that was a game that where, you know, according to some NFL commentators, they expected Kaepernick, or that was a game where Kaepernick could have success. Now a lot of people are pointing to, okay, let's see what happens when a defensive coordinator throws different things at him, and the defenses are a little different. Let's see what happens then. I mean, this is, they're this close. The 49ers are this close to winning a title. This close to winning a title. This close. Do you take the chance? And obviously they're going to take the chance with the rookie, Colin Kaepernick. And at the same time, I mean, if you take the chance with Kaepernick and he, and, and he fails, you still have Alex Smith there waiting in the wings. But the reality is, you look at this whole situation, the 49ers brought Kaepernick in pretty much to replace Alex Smith. They brought him in with the intentions of being the franchise quarterback at some point. That's why he was drafted. That's why he was drafted. I mean, Alex Smith last year, he came out and he surprised a lot of people with his play. Was he spectacular? No. But was he a game manager? Did he manage the game the way the game needed to be managed? Did he put his team in position not to lose and, and to win from time to time? I mean, the Saints game in, in the playoffs where he put up big-time numbers against that Saints defense. He put the Saints in position, not the Saints, the 49ers in position to win that game. He went toe-to-toe with Drew Brees and won. He went toe-to-toe with Drew Brees and won. And even in the uh, title game, NFC title game, he did enough, as far as I'm concerned, for the 49ers to win. The 49ers would have won that game if Kyle Williams doesn't drop the football on two occasions in that game. I mean, those were back-breaking, game-changing type situations. And it was two fumbles, both of them in his own territory. Both of them, the Giants cashed in. They cashed in on a touchdown with one of them. They cashed in on a field goal to end the game on the other. The Giants cashed in on those two Kyle Williams fumbles, and they were big. They, they were big. There's no doubt about it. They were big, big plays that caused the Giants, well, caused the Niners the game, and ultimately the Giants were beneficiaries as they would go on to the Super Bowl and ultimately win the Super Bowl. So the Lions were, the, the, the Niners were this close. The Niners were this 
close? Do you take a chance now and, and, and give the keys to the franchise to a guy who's only started one NFL football game? And I repeat myself, yes, yes, he was dynamic. Yes, he looked great. Yes, he did all the things you can ask from a quarterback in that game against the Chicago Bears. But it's only one game. It's only one game. Can he continue to have that type of success? Seems like a fairly confident kid. Seems like a very confident kid in his abilities. Seems like a very confident kid, Colin Kaepernick. Seems like he has talent. Seems like he has the ability, and it looks like even if he's not, even if at some point he does struggle a little bit, and Alex Smith does come back, it's going to be a battle for the job next season for the Niners for Kaepernick and Smith. They may battle for that job, or you may even see the Niners trade Alex Smith at season's end because of the play of Colin Kaepernick and his ability and what the possibilities are. The possibilities are endless, endless at this point, but it's only been one game. It's only been one game. He's only played one game. One game, folks. So let's not get overexcited. Let's 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 keep our composure and realize it's only been one game. Can he be special? Maybe. But if I'm the coach of the 49ers, if I'm Jim Jim Harbaugh, I'm not taking that chance. I'm just not going to take that chance at this point. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to take a chance with my team being this close. With my team having an opportunity to get to a Super Bowl, I'm not taking the chance. I'm not taking the chance and going with Colin Kaepernick. I'm going to stick with what I think it's a sure thing in terms of Alex Smith. You know exactly, what, more often than not, what you're going to get from him. You know exactly what you're going to get from him. You're going to get a solid football game, minimal mistakes, and he's going to keep you in the game. With Colin Kaepernick, it seems like you may get a little more. It seems. But with that little more, it may come a little more mistakes. And with those little more mistakes, it may cost you a football game, which in turn may cost you an opportunity at getting back to the NFC title game and ultimately getting through the Super Bowl. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. If I'm the 49ers, I'm sticking with Alex Smith. I'm sticking with Alex Smith. And I know there's this notion that you can't lose your job from injury. I don't really buy into that too much. That's kind of irrelevant. My thought process here, my thought process is in terms of who gives you the best opportunity to win football games. As far as I'm concerned, the person that gives you the best opportunity to win football games with the way this team is presently constructed is, is Alex Smith. He gives you the best opportunity to win. Alex Smith gives you the best Opportunity to win. He does. He does. But we'll see. We'll see. It should be interesting how he plays tomorrow against the New Orleans Saints. You know, the New Orleans Saints, one thing about that Saints team, they're going to put up points and they're going to score a lot of points. Can the 49ers keep up? Or can that 49ers defense slow down 
Drew Brees and the Saints. Not too many teams have slowed down the Saints. The Saints are going to put up points tomorrow. Will the 49ers win in a shootout? They they were in a shootout with the Saints in the uh, NFC Divisional round a year ago, and they won. Will they do the same tomorrow? The New Orleans Saints, believe it or not, are 5-5 five and five and are this close and have an opportunity to win or get to the playoffs. They have an opportunity to get to the playoffs. Believe it or not, it's crazy as that sounds. But we shall see. We shall see how Colin Kaepernick plays tomorrow for the San Francisco 49ers. We shall see. The second hour of Go For It starts right now. on the hub and warm-up host for American Idol and Dancing with the Stars. And right now, you are listening to Go For It on Blog Talk Radio with my man, Paulie G and Jeremy. Get it! Thank you, and we're sir. back. You got it, brother. Have a go, man. Back, okay. second hour, Go For It, start now. And in this hour, expect to be joined by Adrian Broner, WBC lightweight champion. And also respect to be joined by Niles Paul of the Washington Redskins, and he's going to talk about his performance and then uh, Redskins' performance against the Dallas Cowboys. Let's bring in a caller now. You're going to go for it. Well, hello. Uh, hi, my name is Salahuddin. Thanks, bro, for having me on your show. Thank you for joining us. Uh, yes, sir. Uh, I really appreciate you, Sean. We were talking before uh, before you uh, you know let me on, on, on the air about you know the state of boxing itself, you know, how... Um, uh, these uh, the politics of boxing is really undermining the sport. Uh, Definitely, these, uh, alphabet championships, dude. I mean, I don't even know. Now, I think for me, I just want to see a good fight now because the championship doesn't mean anything. And I think, you know, um, you know, this a hoopla about who's champion and who is a champion. You know, guys are, are champions now uh, politically. You know, because of these commissions. Uh, we really don't deserve to be champions, man. We know that it's right. political. We know it's a fraud. In, in the old days, when they had the was it the Knapp Commission, right? They, uh, whichever you know, when they uh, were investigating corruption in boxing, when people mm-hmm. were paid to throw fights, it's, it's similar to that to me. You know, these people are, are becoming champions, and we know that it's not because of their by merit. It's because of uh, you know the, the uh, you know the, the way the, the the fights are chosen. Uh, by the promoters, and the promoters have way too much influence in, in boxing, too. Uh, it all undermines the sport itself, as far as I'm concerned. 
And you look at boxing, I mean, like you said, it's, a lot of times you have a hard time naming who are the champions in each division because there are so many champions. And boxing, yes, it does have its issues, it does have its problems, but it, it seems to survive, and it's surviving. I mean, it's it's a fairly healthy sport for in some respect. I mean, it's, it has its issues, obviously. It has its issues. But, I mean, people are still buying the pay-per-views. People are, are still watching HBO. I know HBO is doing some, some good ratings numbers of late. People are watching on, on some level. And, yes, boxing, with, with all its warts, with all its warts, all the warts that it has, it's still finding a way and still finding a way to be not as relevant as it could be or as it should be, but people are still watching. They're definitely yeah. watching. Definitely, and as you said, Showtime they had their uh, their tournament, and Andre Ward uh, ascended uh, through the ranks uh, by his exposure through Showtime. And you're, you're totally correct. But also something about the um, like, remember you know the time we had a, a man like uh, Muhammad Ali. Then they said that pretty much a lot of his, I think universally except that was the golden age of the heavyweight division, or uh, maybe even the golden age of boxing in the '60s and '70s. Uh, right. on the, uh, when Muhammad Ali was most popular, um, that when Ali did, if you didn't fight, uh, if a champion didn't fight the number one contender within a six month period, uh, he would lose his title. And they actually stripped Ali for not uh, a part of his title uh, for not fighting Ken Norton. And that's when Ken Norton fought Larry Holmes for his portion of the heavyweight title. So yeah, I mean, but we don't see that today. I mean, these guys they'll they'll move from weight division to weight division. Uh, you know, not earn their stri- not earn their stripes uh, in a particular weight division, but just by a name recognition, will fight for a, a title where somebody's been struggling in that division and legitimately earned his number one contender status, and will be completely overlooked because you know money talks. But uh, so I don't that's something I don't like about the the, the sport. But in terms of the art, man, the, itself is man. I just you know to see someone you know. Uh, not just be a great fighter. We know a distinction between a great fighter and, and a great boxer. You know, they say you can't be a good good, you can't be a really good boxer without knowing learning how to fight first. <laughs> right. And it's interesting. But um, somebody like Adrian Broner, you know, quite frankly, I thought, well, he's maybe a fly by night individual. But man, this guy, he's the real deal. I actually he like him more, dude. I like him more than than uh, Mayweather because he, you can tell that Adrian Broner. I think seems to be a little tougher. I mean, sometimes I would see. Uh, he, he just seems a tad more aggressive, a little more aggressive more than aggressive. Mayweather. You know, a little more aggressive. Fight. He seems to be a bit tougher than Mayweather. And, and we'll see. I mean, Mayweather obviously Mayweather has accomplished a lot in the sport, and, and the Broner's up and coming. But let, let, let's see what happens moving forward. I mean, definitely, he definitely looks like a guy with a lot of promise, a lot of ability, and a guy that many believe could be the next. Big thing in the sport of boxing. Hey, we thank you for your call. Thank you, bro. And we we got his take on the sport of boxing. I mean, the sport of boxing is a great sport. I love the sport of boxing, and I'm going to continue to support the sport of boxing. And hopefully, again, even with all its warts, all its issues that it may have, it still finds a way to, to keep going, keep moving. And everybody's talking about boxing is dead. Boxing is alive. Well, and going forward, it's going strong. Don't sleep on pro boxing. Do not sleep on the sport of boxing. 
please, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. It's a healthy sport somewhat. I mean, it has its issues. and you Kind of like UFC, where UFC seems like all the big guys are fighting each other, and that's always an issue with boxing, trying to get the big, the big guys in the ring with each other with all the politics and everything, golden boy against top rank and all that stuff. But ultimately, you would love to see Mayweather and Pacquiao. Hopefully, it could happen. It, more and more likely, as the years go by, it's becoming more and more unlikely that it could happen as the years go by. But who knows? Who knows? Hopefully, at some point, these guys can get it on and, and make a lot of money, and and then, you know, and we can all enjoy it. Hopefully, hopefully, we shall see. You're listening to Go For It on Block Talk.
Let's bring in now one of the stars of Breaking Dawn, actor Boo Boo Stewart. Boo Boo, how are you, sir? I'm doing very good. Very good. You? I'm doing great, doing great. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you. And Boo Boo, you got to be on cloud nine right now. Breaking Dawn's doing some crazy numbers in the theaters right now. I mean, what has this Twilight series meant to your acting career? Um, you know, it's opened up a lot of doors. Um, it's been so amazing. I've been able to travel all around the world, meet a lot of really awesome people, and yeah, it's just been it's just been an amazing experience. And, and it has to be. And right now, on uh, Breaking Dawn, you play Seth Clearwater. I mean, you're playing a werewolf. So, so how is it? How much fun is it playing a werewolf? <laughs> it's pretty awesome. Um, it's pretty cool. You know, I wish I could actually do that in real life, transform. But uh, <laughs> they make it look really awesome in the movie by uh, creating really, like, real-looking wolves. And, um, yeah, it's just it's really neat to see how you would look if you're an animal, I guess. <laughs> and you look at it, when you first signed up for this Twilight series, did you think it would do the type of numbers that it's doing? Um, you know, luckily when I got into it, I um, it was already, like, New Moon was coming out, so it was already pretty popular. But, okay. um, like, seeing that and then being a part of it is pretty, like, surreal. And, and, you know, you have that going on. You have some other things going on. You, you're going to play a different role uh, in 2012 in a movie titled White Frog. I mean, you're going to be playing Nick Young, and Nick Young is a teenager with Asperger's disease, which is a form of autism. You talked about how difficult that role was for you. Talk about this movie and talk about the role of Nick Young. Uh, yeah, well, uh, White Frog is a... Uh... It's a movie about a family that is suffering through a tragic accident, and my character, Nick Young, has to bring everyone back together. So um, I'm, it was really amazing to uh, be able to play a character that has Asperger's. Um, I definitely learned a lot. had to do a lot of research. This is definitely the hardest role I think I've ever uh, tackled. And doing this type of role, how much is that going to help you down the line? Oh, immensely, definitely. Um, and, you know, it just like... Pushing your acting ability, I think, is a really cool thing to do. That's fun. That's okay. If you go hey, what up? That. It's Corey Almeida, a.k.a. Corey Live, host of Picturica on the Hub and warm-up host for American Idol and Dancing with the Stars. And right now, you are listening to Go For It on Blog Talk Radio with my man, Paulie G and Jeremy. Get it! And we're about to bring in a guy now. He's been a problem for a lot of boxers. These past few months right now, and then, and this man, he had a big-time performance last Saturday night against Antonio DeMarco. He was the can man. He was the problem. He was all those things. Let's bring him in now, the new WBC lightweight champion, the one, the only, Adrian Broner. Adrian, how are you, man? What's happening? What's good? Thanks for joining us. Uh, no problem, man. Anytime. And, Adrian, last week against DeMarco, that was supposed to be your toughest fight, your biggest test. This fight seemed easy for you, man. Was it as easy as it looked? You said what now? That fight seemed very easy for you. Was it as easy as it looked? Um, It was definitely harder than it looked, uh, than I I made it look. Um, DeMarco, he was a, a tough champion. Great fighter, but, um, you know, um, I'm one of the elite. You definitely are one of the elite, it seems. And 
you connected on 53% of your punches in that fight. Why were you so accurate against DeMarco? What, what made him so hittable? Um, I'm always accurate. <laughs> I'm accurate. That, that, I wouldn't be Asian runner if, I, if, if I'm not accurate. So I'm accurate every fight. And, and you continued that against DeMarco. Again, you dominated him, and you dominated him inside. Were you surprised that he didn't keep any distance between you two? Um, I wasn't surprised. You know, um, that's what he wanted to do, and um, right. that's what the one—that's what the people wanted to see. I just gave the world what they wanted to see. I'm a little new. And, and that's what you do, and that's what you've been doing these past few fights and throughout your whole career, pretty much. I mean. Looking at this, this this was supposed to be, again, this was supposed to be your biggest test, your biggest test since the Ponce de Leon fight. How much did that Ponce de Leon fight help you in this fight and prepare you for this big stage? Um, actually, uh, Ponce de Leon is the Ponce de Leon fight, and the Marco fight is definitely the Marco fight. Um, two different guys, two different styles, so... Um, you know, uh, I just go in prepared and do what I got to do to get the victory as I make as I make my adjustments. We're talking to lightweight champion Adrian Broner, and Adrian, you are the can man. Uh, you call yourself that for for other reasons, but you are the can man. You can do it with your power, okay. your speed, your defense. Is there anything Adrian Broner can't do? Um, what Adrian Broner can't do is lose. Okay. Okay. And so far, you haven't done that. You have not lost. And your style is a lot like the great Floyd Mayweather Jr. with the shoulder rolls and everything. How did you develop that style? Um, observation. Um, I seen him for the first time at 12, and um, I tried it, and it worked for me. Right. And, and how difficult is that style to pull off? I mean, you make it look easy. Uh, it's very difficult. I mean, you know, I, I, I first started training at 12, and now I'm 23, so, uh, and I'm still learning. So, um, you know, 11 years. Wow. Okay. So, at this point, do you think you perfected it? I mean, it looks like you have. Um, I I have gotten very good at it, but um, there's still some things that I do that I have to work on. Right, right. And what do you need to work on? Um, I, I, I think I keep that to myself. <laughs> Right, right. <laughs> I won't tell. Hey, something you, you know you can let you can let them you can let them know a little something, man. But you can't let them let everybody know everything. Okay, okay. And, and what's next for you? I mean, you got Ricky Burns, the WBO champion. I know you've been talking about Marquez, Juan Manuel Marquez. Who would Adrian Broner like to fight next? No, that's not the question. The question is, who wants to fight Adrian Brown next? I will fight anybody who grabbed the rope to hang themselves. I will fight any dead man who crossed that line. I mean, it is what it is. Right, right. And we and we look at you, man, and you're always brushing the hair. You got your pops before and after fights brushing your hair. I got to ask, how many times a day do you brush your hair? Oh, uh, man, <laughs> If I kept up with that, man, I'd probably tell you how many times uh, I blinked a day. <laughs> <laughs> now, during this interview, I know we, we've been on for a few minutes now. Have you brushed your hair at all during this interview? I'm getting my hair cut right now. Oh, you get your hair cut right now. Okay, okay, okay. 
Now, let's look at when are these Adrian Broner brushes going to come out? When, when are, I mean, we've got to get them out there. Uh, they're definitely they're, they're definitely on the way, Adrian Broner brushes. Uh, you're going to get the whole package real soon. Uh, definitely. And, and I look at you, man, and your last fight, you, you brought out Kendrick Lamar. He brought you out for your last fight. Uh, who's next? Who, who are you going to bring out next? Um, I'll keep that a secret, too. <laughs> you got a lot of secrets. Now, I know, Adrian, you're a guy that likes to rap yourself, man. Can we get a freestyle from the problem? Uh, that's a negative. <laughs> well, Adrian, I know you like to bring a lot of rappers out to bring you out, and I'm a guy who likes to freestyle myself, and I kind of want to audition for you. Is there any way I can audition for you right now so I can be the guy that brings you out for your next fight? Oh, my God. Sure, go ahead. Okay, Adrian, here's my audition. I'm about to audition right now so I can be the next man to bring Adrian Broner out for his next fight. Here we go. Adrian Broner, WBC lightweight champ. He's always going to be hanging out with his band camp. Let me see this dude. He can do it all, yo. Did you see what he did to DeMarco? (laughs) All right, right now, I am a fan. Who is next, Marquez the Mexican or Burns the European? I don't know. We shall see. Broder is from Cincy. He's doing big things right there. All right, we can end this right now. Go tell your pops to brush your hair. Can I bring you out next fight? No. <laughs> I tried. I tried. So it's a flat-out no. You're not even going to think about it. Negative. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. I tried, folks. Adrian, deny me. Adrian, I know you're busy on Twitter, man. Where can fans connect with you on Twitter? I'm at Adrian Brunner on Twitter and on Instagram. Oh, at Adrian Brunner. So uh, just hit me up. Fans, support Adrian Brunner. He is the next big thing in boxing. And I heard you talking about wanting to put you on the HBO logo. You think that's going to happen anytime soon? Yes. I think it'll happen real soon. You're right now. I would love to see Adrian Broner 24-7. That's got to happen at some point. That's got to happen. It's on its way. Okay. Okay. I believe it. I think you're doing big things. I see big things out of Adrian Broner in the future. Adrian, it was a pleasure having you on, man. We wish you nothing but the best of luck. Let's do it again. All right, straight up. Take care. All right, thanks. Adrian Broner, WBC, lightweight champion. You know, I tried to audition, tried to, to, to uh, you know, be the guy that brings him out for his next fight, but obviously he denied me. It was a negative. And right now he's getting his hair cut. He's getting his hair cut right now, and, you know, he always stays fresh to death with his hair and, and always do big things with his hair, and he always has his pops brushing his hair before and after fights. But forget about all the antics. The guy can fight. He fought DeMarco inside out. He, he beat him up. He was so accurate. Over 50% of his punches landed in that particular fight. I mean, he did it all, and that was supposed to be a, a big-time step-up fight for him. That was supposed to be a fight that we would find out a lot about Adrian Broner, and we found out a lot about him. We found out that he is a superstar. He is the truth. He is the truth. 
And, you know, Adrian Broner, I expect big things out of that guy. He is the future of boxing. He is the future of boxing. He has the personality. Obviously, he has the speed. Obviously, he has the ability. He is the future of boxing, professional boxing, and hopefully we can see big things out of him. Hopefully we can see big things out of him, and hopefully he can take it to the next level and become the next big thing. It looks like he is. He's on his way. He's close. He's close. He, he looked he looked great last week against DeMarco. He looked absolutely great. He looked great in that particular fight. He did everything that you would expect out of Adrian Broner and out of a boxer in that particular fight. I mean, he was accurate. He hit, he hit him, and he didn't get hit. And that's that's what it's all about, hitting and not getting hit. Hitting and not getting hit. And that's what Adrian Broner did last week against DeMarco. Is he the next Mayweather? He sure perfect. He sure has that style down. Sure has that shoulder roll down, like Mayweather. It seems to have, you know, seems to be brash, like Floyd. He seems to have all those things, like Floyd Mayweather. Can he? Will he? Will he be the next big thing? All the makings of it. He has all the makings of being the next big thing. And again, I tried to lead him out for his next fight. You know, Kendrick Lamar, hip hop star, left let him out for this his last fight. And I was hoping I could uh, be the next one, but uh, I tried. I wasn't successful. I failed. But oh well, it is what it is. And I want to go now to college basketball. An interesting thing that we saw this past week with uh, head coach Sean Woods of Moorhead State and one of his players, he got into an altercation with one of his players. He would push one of his players, and ultimately they were going at it face-to-face, arguing with each other, and, and Sean Woods kept going after him. And ultimately, he was suspended for one game because of the particular situation. Now, I don't, I don't, I didn't have much of a problem. Well, here's what I'll say about this whole thing. The issue I think that Sean Woods ran into was when he pushed Devin Atkinson, one of the the, the point guard, senior point guard for Morehead State. The issue that have that that became an issue is not necessarily him being in his face and and, and talking to him in his face. I think the issue came is when he pushed uh, the young point guard, the senior point guard. That's when the issue came, when he pushed him. And now, you know, you hear a lot of people coming out on Twitter supporting, uh, supporting the coach and everything, but his style, well, not necessarily style, but what happened there was he probably went, above, uh, went overboard but I think, you know, we're in a situation in a society right now with there is, in terms of respect, there seems to be a lack of respect for 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 authority. Nowadays, overall, it seems to be a lack of respect for authority. And, you know, usually when, when a coach or, or a person of authority talks, the person that is listening, the person that they're talking to should be listening. When a person in authority talks, you need to be sitting there listening and not going back with that person in authority. And that's, seems, and that's what happened. That, that's what happened in some respect. I mean, it, the point guard went back and forth with him. Now, granted, the pushing, him, pushing a kid was wrong. You don't put your hands on him. That's not your child. You don't put your hands on him. 
That's something you don't do. Now, in terms of, of arguing with him, and well, not arguing, but telling him and giving him a directive and, and coaching him up in some respect, and you could argue maybe that's not coaching up if you're yelling in a guy's face, but we've seen it before. We, we've seen coaches, Bob Knight, do it many times. We've seen this before, coaches and players' faces. That's something we have seen. Now, Sean Woods has apologized for his actions the other night. And I do, from this respect and this perspective, give the kid um, some credit for, you know, when a, when a person, if you saw the video, when a person is that close in your face and, 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 and you know, giving you a, a mouthful in your face, whether it's your coach or anybody, you know, sometimes it can be very hard to 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 restrain yourself and hold yourself back. To his credit, to the point guard's credit, you know, granted he may have said some things, but he didn't get physical. He didn't get physical, and other than to push Sean Woods didn't get physical either. But I guess the issue comes with the push. The issue comes with the push. And you know, when when you when you when you push, uh, when you push some, when you put, when it becomes physical, that's when it becomes a problem. And I think that's where Sean Woods went wrong when he got physical. And now, and I'll argue in terms of the whole situation and the whole thing, um, you know, as far as I'm concerned, Sean Woods, you know, you gotta, you got to hold yourself a little bit. you got to hold yourself. And, and you know, sometimes when a, when a kid is, 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 talking to you, is talking back to you, when a kid is doing that, talking back to you, and he's a young kid, you know, you, you, you're not really going to go for that. You're not going to go for that. And Sean Woods, I'm looking at the video right now, Sean Woods is close in his face. He's in his face. And then as he sits down, he continues to get right back in his face. Sean Woods, the young point guard sits down, Sean Woods goes right back to his face. Now, again, more often in, in life, the way most of us were brought up, but it seems to be changing, seems to be a generational shift here. But growing up, when an adult spoke, You'd listened, and and you did not talk back. You just ate it. Now, granted, when when Sean Woods pushed him, maybe that that changed things a little bit. Maybe that changed things a little bit. But at the same time, when a person in authority talks, we listen. You listen. That's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to listen and not talk back. When 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 it's a coaching type of situation where you're getting coached up in some respect. You're not supposed to talk back. Now, you know this is a we, we. It's a lot of generational shifts and changes in our society at this point. I mean, you, you look at it in terms of spankings. I mean, a lot of people don't do it anymore. It's a lot of people are against it. It's not it's corporal punishment. A lot of people are against it. They don't believe in it. And and you could argue that's one of the reasons our society. Is the way it is. I mean, a lot of kids are not are coming up and they're not getting the discipline. They're not getting the discipline necessary for them to be successful. And you look at it. You look at Sean Woods, and you look at what happened there. He he went wrong when he pushed him. I, I will say that he was wrong when he pushed him. All the other parts I can live with in his face talking to him. And, and maybe all the other stuff was a byproduct of because of the kid was talking back. But maybe the kid was, you know, who knows? We don't know 
We weren't there. We, we only go by what we saw, what was on the video. We only go by what we saw on the video. Obviously, Sean Woods would have had it to do it over again. He probably wouldn't have done it the way he did it, at least not in public. Because it was in public, in public, in public, and, and, and we saw it. We saw it. We saw it. And Sean Woods has done it during the season, talking, yelling in the place, in the face, excuse me, of other players. But players have come out and said, you know what? One of the players, forward Drew Kelly, came out and said, you know what? We can handle it. It makes us better. Those are his statements. Those are his statements. But the way I look at it, the way I look at it, there's nothing wrong with, with getting into guys' face and coaching them up. There's nothing wrong with doing that. There's nothing wrong with coaching guys up. We see it all the time. I do have a problem when you start putting hands on, on, on people. And that's where my problem is with the whole Sean Woods situation. He put his hands on him. He pushed him. If he wouldn't have done that, I could have lived with what Sean Woods did. But because of the push, to me, Sean Woods kind of went overboard with the push. That that was my issue with Sean Woods, the push. Not, not getting into the player's face, because that happens all the time in sports. We see it all the time. We see it all the time. Getting into the face of, of various players and, 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 and talking and, you know, doing what you have to do, coaching them up, as some would say. As far as I'm concerned, as far as I'm concerned, you look at that, and, and maybe that will turn some parents away from sending their kids to Moorhead State, but maybe that was sent, that may send people, kids to Moorhead State. You know what? This guy, Sean Woods, he's, he's looking to discipline my kid. He's looking to, to, to get the best out of my kid. And sometimes in order to get the best out of your kids and, and, and players in general, you got to yell at them. you got to get in their face. you got to show them that you care. you got to show passion. Now, as far as it's the shove, that 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 wasn't necessary. He didn't have to do it. The shove was not necessary. All the other stuff in his face, talking to him, getting into his grill and whatnot, uh, and, and just telling him exactly what he felt and, and some respect coaching him up, all the other stuff, I'm cool with that. I'm fine with that. I'm okay with that. It was the shove that I wasn't okay with. It was an uncomfortable situation in watching it. I mean, you, you started to get a little uncomfortable for all parties involved. You really did. And, and one thing, the first thing that came to my mind is I got to give the kid some credit here because he showed some restraint. He showed restraint there. If somebody is that close, first of all, somebody pushes you. That's, you know, I mean, I'll, I'll call that strike one against Sean Woods. He pushed him. Then he went on, he, he was in his face berating him and whatnot, and then he sat down and, and got into his face again and started berating him. Now, you, you can argue at that point, you know, in his face and, and, and screaming and yelling in his face, I look at the kid and, and I say to myself, the kid, i got to give him credit. Now, granted, you, you shouldn't talk back to authority. You know, if he's a coach, Take the coaching, shake your head, act like you're, if you're not listening, at least act like you're listening and move on with your life. Don't be in a situation now where you're 
you know, in a lot of ways you're arguing with your coach and, 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 and you're going back and forth with your coach. You're going back and forth with the person in authority. In authority. That was the issue in terms of why I think why Sean Woods got so agitated is he was going back and forth with him. And granted, we don't know what he did before the push and what made him push him, but it seemed like maybe the kid was talking back before he was walking to the bench, on his way back to the bench, I should say. I don't know. I mean, you know, again, Sean Woods felt like he was doing the right thing by his players, felt like he was doing the right thing by the player himself, Atkinson, and thought he was coaching him up on some level. And granted, he has apologized for his behavior and his conduct on that particular night. And again, I think if he's going to do something, make sure he does it in a place in a place where you know no one. If he's going to put his hands on a player, he doesn't need to do it in that particular place. And even if he's going to get into a player's face like that. Maybe he could he could have showed a little more restraint. Definitely, he could have shown some restraint. But again, just to put a bow on this whole situation, I didn't have a problem with him arguing with his player and getting into the player's face. The player's face. I had an issue with the shove. But we'll see what happens with that whole situation moving forward. Sean Woods has been suspended one game for Moorhead State. Let's go back to Thanksgiving now and go to the National Football League and let's go to the Redskins and the Dallas Cowboys. RG3 was spectacular again. RG3 got off to a great, great start for the Redskins. Played well. The Redskins were off to a great start, out 28-3 at halftime in complete control of that game. And RG3, I mean, what more can you say about the guy? Four touchdowns Sunday against the Eagles, another four touchdowns Thursday against the Cowboys. I mean, the guy's been spectacular these past few weeks for the Washington Redskins. And you look at the Redskins right now. They have an opportunity to win the NFC East. They have an opportunity now to win the NFC East. Will they win the NFC East? I don't think so. It looks like the Giants probably are going to hold on. It looks like the Giants are the best team in that division. But I'm not going to be so quick to sleep on these, this Redskins team. Granted, their defense needs to do a little better. But Robert Griffin III, and the way he has been playing these past few weeks, I mean, he, he's, been, he's been nothing short of spectacular. Eight touchdowns in these past few weeks. Eight touchdowns, only one interception. Eight touchdowns in a matter of Thursday, Sunday to Thursday, in a matter of five days. Eight touchdowns. And in a matter of five days, the Redskins – where a team that was three and six, and a lot of people thought they were basically done, they went from three and six in five days to five and six, and now an opportunity to possibly win the NFC East and get to the playoffs. I mean, if they they still have a game against the Giants, and right now they're a game and a half behind the Giants, and the Giants play the Green Bay Packers, and the Green Bay Packers is a team that wants revenge. The Packers are a team that wants revenge. So this is going to be a tough football game for the Giants to win. This is going to be a very tough football game for the Giants to win against the Green Bay Packers. And if you look at it, a loss by the Giants now, and now the Redskins become a game out 
to become a game out of first place in the NFC East, and they still have a game left against the New York Giants. The Redskins, folks, have a shot. They have a shot to win the NFC East, and we weren't saying that two weeks ago. We weren't saying that two weeks ago. We weren't. We weren't saying that two weeks ago. Heck, we weren't even saying that a couple days ago. The Redskins now are right there. They are right there with an opportunity, an opportunity to beat, not beat necessarily, but to win the NFC East. They're right there with an opportunity, with a shot to win the NFC East. Can they do it? Will they do it? We shall see. But Robert Griffin III, RG3, eight touchdowns in two weeks, 20 for 28 this week. And the week ago against Philadelphia, I mean, RG3, 20 for 28, 311 big yards, four touchdowns. This is coming off a 14 for 15, 200-yard, four-touchdown performance against the Philadelphia Eagles. RG3 is big time, folks. This guy is big time. RG3 is big time. And the way he's playing right now, the way he's playing right now, the Redskins have a shot. The Redskins definitely have a shot to get to the playoffs. They have a good shot. A good shot. A good shot to get to the playoffs. They do. They do. The way the Giants have been playing, the way RG3 has been playing, you got to give the Redskins a, a shot. You have to say the Redskins have a shot. You really do. The defense is a little questionable. But if RG3 can continue to put up the type of numbers that he's been putting up these past two weeks, who knows what can happen in three of their final five games for the Redskins. Three of their final five games are against the NFC East opponents. So they can still, they can control a lot in these next few weeks. They can control a lot in these next few weeks. All you can ask for is an opportunity. All you can ask for is an opportunity. The Redskins have an opportunity. The Redskins have an opportunity to get to the playoffs. I'm not saying they're going to get there. I'm not saying they're going to get there because I have my doubts. I'm not so sure they're going to necessarily get there. I'm not sure they'll get there. But the opportunity is there. The opportunity is there for the Redskins. It really is. Can they do it? Can they do it? Well, if RG3 plays the way he's been playing, they're going to do it. I don't think they will, though. I think the Giants are ultimately going to win the NFC East, as painful as that is for me to say. As painful as that is that as that is. That's painful for me to say. 
because if you listen to this show, you know, lifelong Eagles fan. But I look at the Giants, and, and the NFC East is what it is. It is what it is. It's obviously a division that's not as strong as we thought it was going to be. It's not the type of division. I mean, we thought that the NFC East was going to be a big-time division this year. You figure the Eagles, the Giants, and the Cowboys were going to do big things this year. That's what you figure. You figured those teams were going to do big things this year. But it hasn't happened. It hasn't happened. It has not happened. It's been the NFC least thus far. The Eagles, obviously, 3-7 and seven, and dead at this point. The Cowboys... Take a step forward, take two steps back. That's what they do. They take a step forward, and they go two steps back. They're so inconsistent. They just they hurt themselves in so many ways. So kind of like the Eagles. So the, those teams so mirror each other, the Cowboys and the Eagles. They so mirror each other. And I just look at these two teams. I look at these two teams, and I say they're the same team. They are the same team. These teams, these teams need to step it up in the NFC East because right now it is the NFC least. It is the NFC least. It is the NFC least right now. Will it change? Not this year. It won't change this year. It is what it is at this point. Who's going to win the NFC East? You think it's the Redskins? Giants? I mean, even, and I, you know, we talk about the Cowboys, but the Cowboys are not dead. They're not dead yet. They're not dead yet. Especially the way the Giants have been playing. The Cowboys are not dead yet. They are not dead yet, folks. They're not dead yet. Or are, are they getting to that point? Sure. I would even argue that the Eagles really aren't dead yet. As strange as that sounds, I don't think the Eagles are really dead yet. They're close, but I wouldn't call them dead yet. And I base that on the way all the other teams have been playing in the NFC East. The Eagles are not dead yet. Are they close? Are they real close? Yes, obviously. But let's look at the Giants. The Giants have six games left, folks. Six games left. The New York football Giants have six games left. One of those games is against the Green Bay Packers, a team that's out for revenge, a team that really wants to get even with the New York Giants. They were the better team on that day. It's just the Giants made the plays. I thought the Packers were a better team. The Packers were just a rusty, flat football team 
They were a rusty, flat football team in that divisional playoff round a year ago. They really were. They were a rusty, flat football team. That's what they were. That's what they were. But I look for the Packers to get revenge. And then you have the Red, then they go to Washington, and the Redskins swept the Giants a year ago in a game. And the Redskins had the Giants on the ropes a few weeks back, and the Giants ultimately pulled it out. Eli with that big-time bomb to Victor Cruz late in the game, a bomb that should not have happened. That should not have happened, but it did. <clears throat> it did. But it should not have happened. And then you have the Saints. They go. They have the Saints at home. And we all know the way the Saints have been playing of late. Saints have been playing some good football. They're 5-5. Five and five, And they're fighting for their playoff lives. And then they go to Atlanta. And Atlanta, you know they want revenge. Atlanta wants revenge for what the Giants did to them in the wild card round when they beat Matt Ryan and the Falcons 24-2. to two. So that's going to be a tough football game for the Giants. That's going to be a tough football game for the Giants. And then the Giants go to Baltimore a week after that. The Ravens are playing big-time football. The Ravens are a big-time football team. That's going to be a tough game for them. So you look at the Giants the rest of the way. Green Bay playing big-time football. Five-game winning streak. The Redskins. Two-game winning streak. The Saints playing big-time football right now. Right back in it. The Falcons. We know how good they've been throughout the course of this season. The Ravens, one of the better teams in the AFC. So the Giants, I don't know how good their record's going to be when this whole thing is all said and done. This is why I'm talking about how wide open the NFC East is, and this is why I'm saying if the Eagles can play any semblance of decent football, they could have a shot. They could have a shot. They could have a shot. I don't know. I don't know. The NFC East is still a fluid. The NFC East is still a fluid situation. Still very fluid. Right now, it's still a fluid situation. Still, still in play. It's still in play right now. And the Giants, their schedule—it's tough. That's a murderous schedule. Packers, Skins, Saints, Falcons, Ravens, and Eagles. That's a tough schedule. That's a tough schedule to end the season. They're going to have to play much better than they have in these past few weeks. They're going to have to. They're going to have to. They're definitely going to have to. And it starts tomorrow against the Packers, a game I think they will lose. I think they lose to the Packers next week. I really do. I really do. But we'll see. A lot of football left to be played in the NFC East. It's not a foregone conclusion, folks. It's not a for even for the Eagles for that matter. It's not a foregone conclusion. The Skins and uh Cowboys are five and six, the Eagles are three and seven, 
and then you got the Giants at seven and four. But the Giants are seven and four with a murderous schedule. If you look at that schedule, you look at that schedule. I'm looking at you know what? Out of those three games, six games, three and three is a great possibility there. Three and three in the next six games is a possibility for the Giants. And if that happens, if you're three and three in the next few games, in the final six games, the Cowboys have a shot, the Redskins have a shot, and if the Eagles can play some decent football and at least turn things around, the Eagles have a shot. Now it's a long shot. It's an absolute long shot. It's a, it's a, it's a long shot. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm saying it could happen for. I'm saying it could happen for the Redskins and the Cowboys. But in terms of the Giants, I mean, excuse me, in terms of the Eagles, the Eagles have a lot of work to do if they want to be mentioned in the NFC East battles or mentioned as a shot or a possibility to win the NFC East. But I will say this. Don't bury the Eagles just yet. Don't put, don't 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 bury them just yet, because there still is a shot in Philadelphia if they can turn things around. Do I think they'll do it? The odds are very against it. Obviously, the, the odds are very very against it. They're very against it. But I will say this. I will say this. The Giants. The Giants have a rough way to go these final six weeks of the season. And, heck, if RG3 can play the way RG3 has been playing these past couple weeks, maybe the Redskins take control of the division. Maybe. Maybe. But the odds are against it, obviously, on, 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 on all levels. I think the Giants, if you – I think the Giants are the best team in the NFC East. I think they are. I think they're the best team in the NFC East. Now, <clears throat> does that mean anything? No, because they have a very tough schedule moving forward. Very tough schedule. Uh, a murderous schedule. The type of schedule that leads me to say, and that makes me say, that not only do the Cowboys, the Redskins have a shot at 5-6, and six, but the three and seven Eagles have a shot. But they gotta beat the Panthers this week. They have to win against the Panthers this week on Monday night football. They have to start there. They have to start there. If they can get it. If they can get it. Start with the Panthers. And and then from there. From the Panthers, the Eagles schedule. They have an opportunity to control destiny in a lot of ways because they have the Cowboys the following week. And then the final two weeks of the season, they have the Redskins and the Giants. So they're facing everybody that's ahead of them in the NFC East. You're probably laughing. You're probably snickering right now. And you're probably, you know, you may have even had a heart attack after you heard me say that the Eagles still have a shot. You probably just had a heart attack. Your heart may have just stopped. It may have just stopped for a moment. But as far as I'm concerned, as far as I'm concerned, the Eagles, 
the Redskins, the Giants. I mean, the Eagles, Cowboys, and, and Redskins still have a shot in the NFC East, obviously. I would say the Cowboys and Redskins, obviously, have the obvious, obvious shot in the NFC East. Obvious, because they're right there. But the Eagles, they still have a shot, too. Believe it. Ripley's, believe it or not. Ripley's, believe it or not. Got another five minutes left in the show, and I didn't even get to NBA basketball today. I didn't even get a shot. To, I didn't even get a chance to get to the NBA. And last night we saw in the NBA Jeremy Lin and the Houston Rockets beat up on the New York Knicks last night. I mean, Chandler Parsons had a big-time game. James Harden continued to play well. And the Knicks lose to the Rockets in the Jeremy Lin Bowl. Get blown out by the Rockets in the Jeremy Lin Bowl. I mean, all those guys were big. Jeremy Lin played well. And obviously the Knicks don't miss Jeremy Lin because Raymond Felton has played well and Jason Kidd has played decently too. So they obviously don't miss what Jeremy Lin has brought has had brought to their team. They don't miss it. And and they they've replaced them. Jeremy Lin last night, six for twelve, seven rebounds, three assists, thirteen points. So they don't miss per se what Jeremy Lin has had brought to the table. They don't miss that. They don't miss that. But what they do miss Possibly, and that won't even matter either, as the marketing standpoint. But that that won't be missed when it's with the Knicks continue to play this type of basketball. That won't matter. That's irrelevant. And at the time, again, I thought the Knicks did the wrong thing and made the wrong move in the whole situation with Lynn. I thought they should have matched the deal, and I understand why they didn't do it. And, it's a, and obviously, it turns out to be a, the right decision. It, it definitely turns out to be the right decision. Definitely turns out to be the right decision. It was the right decision. It definitely was the right decision by the Knicks. Especially the kind of play they're getting from Raymond Felton. Now, you could talk in terms of potential and how, in terms of potential, in the whole situation, Jeremy Lin, maybe Jeremy Lin gets better. But I think we've seen the best out of Raymond Felton. But maybe Jeremy Lin gets better. I don't know. Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. But if their careers were to end today, you can argue that Raymond Felton is a better player. That's what you can argue. It. You can argue that Raymond Felton is the better player. But we'll see. We shall see. But the Knicks got blown out by the Rockets. And the Knicks have lost two games in a row. But the Knicks are a team that's still formidable. It seems to be at this point 8-3. and three. But the best team... The best team of basketball in my mind is the L.A. Clippers. They're playing big-time basketball. They're beating big-time teams. They're the best team in basketball to me. But it all could change. We've got a lot of basketball that has to be played in order for this thing to play out. A lot of basketball that needs to be played. A lot of basketball. I want to thank uh, Ron Brace for stopping by from the New England Patriots. Make sure you check him out on Twitter at Brace, B-R-A-C-E. Yourself, Y O S E L F 97. That's Brace Yourself 97. 
Check him out on Twitter. Also, want to thank Adrian Broner for stopping by. Follow him on Twitter at Adrian Broner. You can listen to this show and other great shows at blogtalkradio.com slash pgan, where you can listen to this show and other great shows. Follow us on Twitter at go 4 and We hope that you enjoyed your Thanksgiving holiday. We hope that you ate a lot. Not too much, but you ate a lot. And we hope you will come on back next Saturday. For everybody here, go for it. See you later. Take care. Bye.